You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in LA since 1989. Heaven. What is it? Okay. I got a couple chuckles. I got a couple chuckles. The after party. I think it's a thing, obviously, we take for granted. It's supposed to be our goal. What's our real goal? Heaven, right? we got students getting ready for finals. we got students studying. They want to get to summer. Summer's cool. But it's not really the goal. Heaven's the goal. we got adults working, working hard, got to retire, got to provide, got to build up the home. That's good. But it's not really the goal. Heaven's the goal. We got people dating. They're like, dating's fun, but I want to get married. Amen? Right? Yeah, marriage's fun. But that's not really the goal. Heaven's the goal. We got people married. They don't have kids. Get the family going. That great, 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 great. But that's not really the goal. Heaven's the goal. So this thing that we talk about a lot, heaven's the goal. I don't know that we talk about it the right way. What do we talk about when we talk about heaven? I think it's really important. Plato said this. Hegel talked a lot about this. The way you think about the end, the way you think about the end, really influences you today. How do you think about the end? That's what we want to talk about today. Between us. And heaven, or hell, there's only life, which is the frailest thing in the world. Think about this passage. This is really significant, very important for us. Isaiah 46.10, the prophet says, I make the end known from the beginning. So we do have an idea of the end. There's lots of clues and hints in it from the beginning. We were in two great groups um, this week, and we talked about this at the Nagakuras and at the Redwoods um, on Friday night. In the beginning is what? Darkness. And sort of over the earth, it says. Genesis 1, Genesis 1, 2. And we did this with the teens. I did this with campus. You're hearing a repetitive thing from me. But it's important because it's the beginning. But in the beginning, darkness is over nothing. That's weird. But that word darkness is, is, is taken from a myth, a creation myth of those people. And the myth was there's this thing that wants to devour your life. It's called Tiamat. It's like this dragon. And so that word darkness literally in the Bible is Tiamat. And I don't think the Bible writer, this could be a little confusing, I hope it's not, believes in Tiamat the dragon, but he's borrowing from their culture, he's borrowing from their myth. Watch out, there's this chaotic darkness that wants to consume everything in your life. There's chaotic darkness. What's it do? Sit there. No, it wants to consume everything in your life. And what does God do? Verse 2, He says, let there be light and the darkness was gone. And the image literally is this dragon, Tiamat, sort of being destroyed. But then what does he do? Day two, he creates again. And day three, he creates again. And day four, he creates again. And day five, and day six, and day seven. And why do all that? And day seven, he rests. Because he's God. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He could have just snapped his fingers and it would be gone. Because that's for us. God wants us to see every day you got to push back. you got to fight Tiamat because Tiamat, chaotic darkness, l- literally wants to devour your life. 
Everybody has some Tiamat in them. Everybody has some darkness, addiction, anger, hatred, fear, sin. And it wants to, it has purpose. It wants to devour your life. It's hungry. It's only God and God's precious light that destroys darkness. This chaotic consumption of what you're trying to build in your life. Everybody's here because we want to go to heaven. But we also want to build a life. But there's this weird force that's trying, always right there, to destroy the thing that you're building. God says then every day we look, we start, every day we start in darkness and we head towards light. And that's what the end sort of looks like, I think, because that's what it was like in the beginning. So in the middle of that, here we are today. John Milton says, you can make hell out of heaven and heaven out of hell. It's all in the mind. I think that's a good thought. This will sound repetitive too. Some of you that are around me a lot, you're like, he said this like every time we talk the last month. National Science Foundation, big study, large sample size. How many thoughts do we have a day? We have like 70,000 thoughts a day. And 80% of those thoughts tend to be negative. And 95% of those thoughts tend to be repetitive. So you want to go to heaven, amen, but you're stuck with your brain. And your brain has a lot of thoughts every day. 70,000 is kind of exhausting. And those thoughts tend to be negative, And those thoughts are heavy. Negative thoughts are heavy. They have weight to them. And they tend to be repetitive over and over and over again. Heaven is this idea. It's light. It's this good ending that's supposed to, I believe, help you shape and control what's going on inside of your mind, what's going on inside of your heart. You've got to be aware. What are my negative thoughts that repeat over and over and over and over again? That's not the end place for me. That's not where I'm going. What are the negative thoughts that repeat over and over and over again? Um, I'm probably going to fail something. I'm probably going to get hit by something. I'm probably going to fail at something. I'm going to try and like somebody and they're not going to like me back. I'm going to try and do this. Right? There's always impending doom when we try and create something. Fear. And it's God's light that gives us confidence. And we got to be aware of sort of how we think and how we feel because some of that we got to know, that's our experience, but some of it we don't trust. We don't want it to control us because our goal is heaven, amen? Okay, what it's not. Uh, we don't think of heaven as soul sleep. That's an old myth. There's this idea that you die and then you just, nothing happens. You're just sitting there for millennia. And then there's this judgment thing and trumpets and horns and God reads from the book of life and sheep and goats and you go to heaven or you go to hell. That's not, that's not what we really see in the Bible. So if you think that, I want to challenge you. I don't, you gotta read your Bible more. That's not really what's going on. There's a lot more going on than that, but it's a popular idea. I think coma worship is a popular idea. God, we're going to be in heaven. It's endless. And it's just like Hillsong song over and over and over and over and over and over. How many times can we sing he done done, he done done, he done done, he done done. And that's not exciting. Nobody wants that. That's not what's going to happen. That's not heaven. 
I think the other idea is that we get a body, but it's kind of some angel blob body. Your destiny isn't to become angel blob. And a lot of us think that. There's just sort of this um, um, angel blob. I don't know. We don't even know what it is. And we just all get one. And you're blob one, I'm blob two, he's blob three, there's blob four, and we're going to sing the song. Oh, he done done, he done done, he done done, he done done. Wow. <laughs> Mark Twain said this about heaven and hell. He goes, I'd like to go to heaven for the climate, but hell for the company. Yeah, that's something to think about. Is heaven boring? I think coma worship and angel blob body sounds boring. But that's not what it is. It's something much, much more than that. The Bible uses this word paradise. There's two different words. There's word for heaven. There's word for paradise. There's Sheol and there's Hades. There's different words for heaven um, and, and what, what happens right after we die and then what happens later after judgment. There's different words for Ge- Gehana or Hades or hell, this thing that happens right when I die and this thing that happens after judgment. Two different things. There's two different things. Luke 23, 43, back to soul sleep, we know this. Jesus says to the thief on the cross, today, today you will be with me. Not in heaven, the word there is paradise. That the Christian dies and goes to a paradise. Uh, Luke 16, I reference it later. Um, the rich man and Lazarus, same word. Where is he? He's in paradise. Lazarus... Uh, Lazarus is in paradise and the rich man is in hell and he says there's this chasm between us and we can't go back and forth between the two. But they're aware of each other. So I think we die and we go to paradise or we go to Hades and there's awareness between the two. It's kind of frightening to think about or intense to think about. That's a, that's, that's a big thought. And, and La- the rich man's suffering. Uh, God, and there's the, uh, Lazarus, he's with Abraham. Abraham, tell Lazarus to dip his, to, I'm suffering. I'm su- no, we can't cross over between the two. We can't cross over. We can't get there. But we see activity, action right after, uh, death, immediately after death. This word in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul refers to himself. He's trying to be humble, um, but he's referring to himself as being taken up into a place called the third heaven. But the word there again is paradise. It's the same word. So he hasn't gone to the final heaven place, but he made it to paradise. And he got to look around and he says this great thing. He goes, there's just no words to describe it. I can't even begin to describe it. But I have a message, and he talks a lot then, of course, about the resurrected body. And that's the rich man and Lazarus. So I think there's death, and then we go to an intermediate place. We go to a stopping place that's paradise or Hades. And this is an interesting passage in John 14. John says, in my father's house, there's many rooms, and I'm going to prepare a place for you there. Oh, okay, cool, great passage. Is he talking about paradise right after death, or is he talking about the final resting place? This word that he uses is a lot more like um, the word that it's Monet. It sounds French, but it's I know I'm butchering it. I don't know M O N E I A. Um, but it's, it's a lot, if I'm traveling from here to Jerusalem and I stopped at a nice place, a nice resting place, that's the word. It's not a final place. 
It's a place that I stop on my journey. Oh, Jesus is preparing a great place for us, but it's not permanent. There's a permanent place later that the Father is preparing for us. That's a big deal. Again, the Christian people, humans, need to be thinking about that. What happens afterwards? There's not good thinking about this when we think, you know, nothing here really matters. So I don't, it doesn't really matter what happens to my body. It's just going to get thrown away anyway. Nothing here really matters, so pollute the world and trash it. It's all going to burn up anyway. I think there's this false Christian humility about it where we go, I don't really need anything in the world because they're just worldly possessions, so who cares? It's all going to burn up anyway. That's not good thinking. And God sets us up for this just in the whole idea of how He's made the world. How He's made your body. You know, look at your skin. Seven years ago, none of those atoms that are in your skin right now were there. Your whole body has been renewed through cellular division every seven years. So seven years ago, your skin cells were part of your neighbor's skin cells. Or part of In-N-Out Burger. Or part of a tree. All matter is, you know, anybody taking organic chemistry? We've got probably a handful of people. It's all carbon, hydrogen, nitrogen, and oxygen, and that's it. And it all just gets recycled over and over and over and over again. This is a cool thought. You have a unique soul, a soul that nobody's ever had before. But you got a body that's been renewed and replaced over and over and over and over again. Ah, what's God doing with that? Why make a body like that? Well, because it's God and it's cool. And I think He's trying to help us understand, hey, these systems get renewed. We don't just throw them away. We renew them. We don't just chuck it because it doesn't matter. We take care of it. The body is what? Corinthians, what does Paul say? It's a temple. It's sacred. It's important. God created this thing. It's a big deal. The world is awesome. He created day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six. And what did He say about it? It was good. So we don't just trash it and not care about it because it's going to burn up. That's bad thinking. God cares about it. Romans 8, He says, the creation is groaning in frustration. Waiting for God's children to be revealed. Why does the creation want God's children to be revealed? Because we're supposed to be the ones that care. That will do something with it. Something good. That's a big deal. Trying to imagine the earth groaning, waiting for heaven to be revealed. That's actually a big thought. That's a great thought. But this kind of thinking requires, if you're going to do it right, a Jesus kind of mind. Not a mind that's just trying to get... Not a mind that's just afraid. Not a mind that's just full of walls. Boy, a Jesus mind is sacrificial. A Jesus mind is giving. A Jesus mind gives grace. A Jesus mind is courageous and cares and shares faith. And I think you have Jesus' mind or you have your mind. And I like this thought. If you don't surrender to Christ, then you surrender to chaos. What's that? That's the story of the beginning. That's Tiamat. I have Christ's mind or I just have Tiamat. I just have consuming darkness. And my addictions or my impulses or my anger or my fear is going to gobble me up. And I'm going to grow up to be a grouchy old man with no relationships. Mad at the world. 
Any of you guys have grandparents like that? That was my granddad. Granddad, what do you think? I believe in guns and gold and bread. That's what he'd say all the time. What? That's not, you know, I'm in middle school. Yeah, that's it. That's what it's all about. Because there's going to be riots and chaos and evil people, and all you can do is shoot them. And then if you have gold, you can go down to the store and buy something. And if you have bread, you can eat. That's the only thing that matters. Well, that's not a very enlightened thought, Grandpa. This week, my aunt died. And she's my dad's brother, so I've been thinking a lot about this. And she wasn't Christian at all. So it's one thing when a family member dies and you know they're Christian, there's that bright sadness. And you think, well, man, I miss them, but I know they're in a good place. I know they're in paradise and that they're going to go to heaven. But when it's somebody that's not Christian, you grieve. And she said, used to say that to me all the time. Ah, come here, Todd. You know, she had this gravelly voice. Stevie Nicks. Come here, Todd. I ought to punch you in the mouth. I used to change your diaper. You're a little brat. And then she gave me a big hug and kiss. And she died on my birthday. April 3rd was my birthday. And um, the first person I thought about, the first person I thought about was my cousin, her oldest son. And he just got out of jail. He's been in jail for about 20 years. And I didn't even know this. He'd been um, disinherited. And I thought, wow, where have I been? Did we, do we even do that? I didn't think we did that. Yeah, they disinherited him. Wow. So I, I, he just, he was the first person I thought about. He just lost his mom. And I'd gone down the night before. And, um, that, and some of you have done that. You know, your loved one is, is dying. And to see the body right at the end, it changes you. It's profound. And there's a part of it that's kind of revolting and scary. It's the wasting flesh. Um, and you fear it a little bit. You, you stand back from it. It doesn't smell good. And I just, I, I need to be here. And I just grabbed her hand and I sat with her for a minute and, and I just talked to her a little bit and gave her a kiss. And gave her a kiss. And my uncle was there and, um, he was crying. And I gave him a hug. He says, don't hug me. I'll kick your rear end. But he didn't use the word rear end. <laughs> we have a funny way of showing affection. <laughs> so I called my cousin, and, I, and he just wept. I, I, I didn't know if I really had any family anymore. I didn't, I didn't, I, everybody hates me. I'm the black sheep. I didn't think anybody would call. I didn't think anybody cared. Why did you call me? It's, you know, it's seven in the morning. And he's just weeping. God, thanks so much for calling. Can't believe, I can't believe you're there. I'm like, I know. We used to sit at the little kids table for Thanksgiving. Remember that? Yeah. And then I got in trouble and I lost everything. No, you can get it all back. Everything you lost, you can get back. He's got to believe that, but you got to believe that too. That's really important for us as we go forward. Too many of us were sort of paralyzed by we don't know we don't know what we don't know what we're doing in life. But this is one of the chief passages or messages that Jesus is trying to communicate to us. 
and that Paul also is trying to communicate. That you don't get an angel blob body that floats around and does coma worship. You get a real body. And we don't have time, but I really, really want you. We're going to spend a month talking about heaven. You have to read 1 Corinthians 1, and it's a long passage, and you need to spend time with it. Go slow. Write notes. And you need to read Romans 8 and spend time with it. Go slow. Jesus was the only one that we've seen or know came back in a resurrected body. Probably the guys got to see this at, at the transfiguration because it literally says his body was transformed. So he's probably getting his heaven body. They probably got a glimpse of it. But then John 21, he's come back. I think he's in his resurrected body. And what do we know? Luke 23, same thing. Well, it was a body for sure, but we didn't totally recognize it. We thought he was the gardener. But then when he spoke, we recognized him. Well, is it just, is it just a good version of this? It has some superpowers, amen? Because he does walk through walls. So that's all we know. That's our data. But that's inspiring. And you gotta think about that. That's where you're going. Not angel blob body. It's a version of you that's a great version of you. Now some of you already are going, but I don't really like me. Yeah, too much time in the world. Too self-conscious. The brain's always judging itself. It's always measuring. And that's a little bit of torture because it makes us always want somebody else's life, somebody else's body, somebody else's bank account. You know, whales don't do that. Oh my gosh, look at whale Bob. <laughs> he looks so good today. He's big and he's got that voice. Whoa. I can't do that. I sound like a little fish. I wish I could be Bob. He's awesome. The whales are not self-conscious. Dogs aren't self-conscious. Beetles aren't self-conscious. We're the only things that are self-conscious. We're the only things that look at ourselves and don't like it. We're the only ones that even think about it. You don't have that in heaven. But the body's awesome because you have the senses, sight, sound, taste, touch, um, smell. You have all of that. The Bible says there's going to be great banquets in heaven. And you're going to use all those senses. And you're going to taste and smell and touch. And it's going to be incredible. And for animal lovers out there, it's hard to get real dogmatic about it. I think there's, I think there's animals in heaven. Lots of passages. The lion and the lamb are going to lay down together. That's cool. Maybe the lion will sort of rough up the lion. The lamb will rough up the lion a little bit. That'd be fun to see. And maybe there won't be. I don't know, but I don't think it'll make it any less awesome. It's going to be great. Amen. What he's trying to set us up for is there's going to be a resurrected body, and there is going to be a resurrected earth. And that place in Revelation 21 says the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven and it sits right on top of a new earth. And you with your new body after judgment, that's what you get to be a part of. And you'll recognize it. And you'll have senses. And you're going to be able to experience it. And you you have no idea the euphoria, the joy, the peace of being in this kind of place. And something happens, the sheeps and the goats, the lake of fire, something happens if you don't make that. So what does happen here matters a lot. And you've got to really be thinking about how, the decisions you're making, the kind of life that you're living. It matters. Last thought. And read Revelation 21. It's incredible. 
The Greeks had this term thanatos. And Freud picked up on this and Jung. It just means death drive. And they use this thought as what they believe to be the thing that's cra- creating so much craziness in people's life. The thing, sort of the birthing place of neuroticism, nervous behavior, that we're all afraid of death. Well, sure. I don't know that that's really insightful. We're all afraid of death because it seems scary. But think of it in terms of your life. It's anything I might build might die. Anything you will, anything you try will die. Right? Read Ecclesiastes. Nothing really matters. Why? Because everything dies. And so, but look at how that affects our thinking. We don't put a lot of time into, we're afraid of really trying at a marriage. Because what if it just dies? And we're really afraid of trying to get into a relationship, young people, because what if it just dies? And maybe I'll do this career thing, but what if I fail and it just dies? And I think this is a big part of why it's hard for us to get our minds around resurrected body. We don't really want to be in it because we experience failure and frustration and pain in the body. Thanatos. And, you know, that's overwhelming. If you've experienced failure or rejection or pain or frustration, you're thinking, I don't want to be in this thing. I want an angel blob body because it's just relief from the pain thing that experiences pain. That's worldly thinking. So the re- word resurrected in the Bible is anastasis, raising up. And there's your marriage. Can it be raised up? There's your family. Can it be raised up? There's your life. Can it be raised up? There's your finances. Can it be raised up? There's your career. Can it be raised up? Yes! That's the Christian hope in the body. If I just go, it's all going to burn up and Thanatos is, and I'm just going to die, why even try a resurrection? Who cares? Make a decision, get baptized, and then go autopilot, cruise control. That's bad thinking. You're just afraid. That's okay. Everybody's afraid, but don't let it control you. And too many of us were so controlled by our fears of failure, rejection, and frustration. I want to go to heaven just so I can escape the place. No! You want to go to heaven because it's awesome, it's part of God's plan, and you want to experience resurrection today. You know, we've had a great opportunity to meet a really special guy. It's Nita's brother, Tom. And Tom suffered a stroke, uh, Nita, help me, four years ago, five years ago. And really serious stroke, and he still has some effects of the stroke today on his right side. And pain is an amazing thing, though, because it wakes you up, doesn't it? And it's a long story, but he's been coming to the small group. He lives in Temecula. He's been studying the Bible at the Temecula Church. And I was just, I was just blown away, you know, getting to meet him and listening to him. And Nita would share this. He sounds so different. He used to never talk like this. He's talking about God. He's talking about hope. He's talking about being generous. Just the things he was talking about. This week he was baptized and he's now your brother in Christ. That takes a lot of courage. That takes a lot of guts. Wow, who else? Who else? 
Christians, share your faith. How many Toms are out there? Christians, share your faith. Don't be controlled by fear. Christians, share your faith. Heaven's an incredible place to go to. Christians, share your faith with each other because a lot of you need resurrected lives. Christians, share your faith with each other because there's too much fear inside of us. And when we're afraid, we get stagnant and stale and self-righteous and judgmental and, and, and weird. And when we're weird, you don't have resurrection. So as we leave today, we're going to worship some more. And we're going to sing. And we're going to celebrate. And I want you to take inventory. Note, in which ways is there thanatos in my life? Am I afraid? And I'm just responding to negatively to something. That's a big deal. That's going to mess up your faith. If you're studying the Bible, find out how you get all the way through the conversion process. Become a Christian so you can get on this great journey. Nothing's more important than that. If you're on this great journey and your car broke down, no problem. Raise your hand and ask for help. That's what we're here for. And find ways in your life to experience resurrection, anastasis. It's the great hope of the world. God bless you. God bless the church. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net. 